Welcome, friends. You found the Out of the Ordinary podcast. I'm Lisa Joe Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this is the place where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. A few of my favorite ordinary things are hitting snooze on the alarm clock, hot coffee with heavy cream, and a new local cafe with great writing spots. Lisa Joe, I love wrapping up in a cozy cardigan, going for long walks on cold afternoons, and warming up around a real fire. All right, friends, here's today's conversation. Get comfy. Here we go. We had a different conversation planned for the podcast this week, but we decided to push that back and do something else because we are living in some interesting times, aren't we, Lisa Joe? <laughs> There's a lot going on. I know. Everybody's stories have taken a pretty dramatic plot twist the last week or so, completely unexpected. And like all of you, we've been trying to process it. And so we thought maybe the best thing we could do today is come on and just share some of our own real-time stories as we're unpacking the landscape of the world today in order to do what we always hope, to offer you stories to help you see your own stories through new lenses with hopefully a big dose of <laughs> hope. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because it's true. What's happening in the world today, the the headlines in the news about this um, novel vi- virus are absolutely impacting our ordinary lives. We can't process our ordinary lives today without talking about what's happening in the world. And I I think that's actually potentially a really good thing, Lisa Joe, because often we can feel this sense of separation between our ordinary day-to-day and sort of the big things, right? The big things happening in the world, um, the the things maybe we're reading about in the newspaper or hearing on the radio. Um, but today, at least, I can say, wow, I am a part of this world. I'm connected to my neighbors. I'm connected to my neighbors globally. Mm. <laughs> and the way I live my ordinary life, the values I try to live out, that is Actually, I feel like maybe for the first time in a long time, I can see how that could potentially have a global impact. So I think it's good that we're going to um, push back our planned conversation and just talk things through today. You may be able to tell I my voice doesn't sound so great. <laughs> oh, man, it's so hard to be a podcaster who has allergies and asthma, and it, I can hear it in my voice even now. We'll see how long my voice holds out. This might be a shorter episode. We'll see. <laughs> I'll try to edit out some coughing, but you might hear some of that as well. But even with the throat clearing and the coughing, I think it's important to have this conversation. And yeah, it's interesting too, Lisa Joe, that we're all thinking about sickness and talking about sickness, and I'm feeling kind of sick this week, so (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, but this is ordinary life. It's full of sickness, and um, I don't know. That's where we are. And we are literally where we are is not even together today. Like in real time, usually we're sitting on the third floor of Maplehurst recording together. But this word that's entered all of our vocabulary, like a word that really sends shivers down my soul because I dislike it so much. This phrase, social distancing, Mm -hmm. seems antithetical to everything as believers (laughs) that God has called us to, you know, like we have a God who moved into the neighborhood to get as close to us as possible And now what we're being asked to do to love our neighbors better is the social distancing. So Christy and I are actually apart this morning. We are recording 
thanks to the power of Skype remotely. <laughs> I'm in Maryland and um, she's in Pennsylvania and I'm looking at her. I can see her. She's actually yes. in her bathrobe this morning still. Ah! <laughs> I'm I, you wearing outed my, me. <laughs> my comfiest sweater and we both have, she uh-huh. has tea with honey and I have a cup of coffee and we are recording from a distance this morning because that's what folks have been asked to do in order to love our neighbors well. But Yesterday, I got on the phone to her and I said, we have got to have a conversation this week about how sometimes the most dangerous virus that's out there is this virus of fear. It's so unsettling. It can creep into everything and it starts to eat away at our minds and our hearts and our love for the people around us. And if we can offer some small way to treat the virus of fear through stories, through reminding Mm -hmm. each other of what God says about us and about our neighbor, then that's what we wanted to do. So this morning, Mm -hmm. we're jumping on long distance to bring you some conversations to hopefully offer you ways to push back against the virus of fear. And what's Mm -hmm. interesting is when I was talking to Christy yesterday and saying we have to have this conversation and sharing my thoughts and my aching soul when it comes to this idea of having to keep distance from the people around us as, I kid you not, I was in the grocery store stocking up on things while feeling weird that I was stocking up on things and telling her we have to have this conversation. She sent me back a photograph of her arm that was so shocking for me to see. (laughs) Something, (laughs) Chrissy, after knowing you for 20 years, something I did not know about you was revealed to me for the first time yesterday. And I said, I feel like this is the perfect metaphor. You have to come and tell this story so that we can unpack what that means with our listeners. Right. (laughs) I'm either the best person or the worst person to talk about fears related to this virus because I would say the biggest sort of monster or bogeyman in our family life and really in my own heart is um, anything like a respiratory illness, any kind of respiratory illness. And that's because, and I'll tell you what the picture of the arm was all about, but first, (laughs) um, that's because allergies and asthma run in my family and um, two of my children have allergies and asthma. And so it means for us often, um, often a a little, just a non-novel virus, just a typical run-of-the-mill virus often turns into bronchitis or pneumonia. My youngest has already had pneumonia this season um, or croup or, you know, something like that. And of course, here I am this week, you know, struggling to, to talk a bit. So this, I feel like Lisa Joe, the, the fears that are swirling in our culture right now are, for me personally, and I don't expect it to be this way for everyone, but for me personally, it is like a, an arrow <laughs> that hits the direct bullseye of the thing that I do fear the most for myself and for my kids. And that is because when I read about it and they say, hey, you know, most people will be fine, you know, except for those with underlying, you know, with lung issues. And I know like, they're talking about me. Mm. <laughs> They're talking about my own middle-aged lungs. <laughs> and uh, and so it does. It it strikes really, really close to home. So the photo I sent you, because some of our listeners may remember some of our podcasts from last year, I was often talking about feeling sick at that time. I, I was sick for quite a few months last year. Allergies and a virus had triggered my asthma, and it took a long time to recover. And one of the things my doctor told me at that time, oh, she was, she's so great. I love my doctor. I feel like she is just God sent. She helps me. I've realized I'm not so good about 
um, taking care of myself. I think I am, but I tend to just downplay what I'm feeling or experiencing. And she has really taught me how to not do that in order to love others well. She has helped me see if I'm not taking care of myself, then I can't be there for my kids in the way I want to be. Um, anyway, so I love my doctor, and she told me, Christy, this year you should probably um, get connected with an allergist and have testing done and possibly start like immunotherapy, allergy shots or something, because if we can get your allergies more under control, then when you get a virus, um, it'll be less likely to flare up in these really hard-to-control ways. So I had just never thought of that before, but it made sense. So I um, did finally connect with an allergist and just happened to have my appointment yesterday. And the first step, if you want to have sort of further treatment for allergies, is to have um, allergy testing done a skin test in particular. So that's what I had done yesterday. And um, Lisa Joe, the results were no surprise to me, but, but they were a huge <laughs> I know it was to me. shocking. How did I not know this about <laughs> you that you're like allergic to all the things? I know it was shocking to you and I showed you just the one arm and the other arm looked the same, but some of our listeners will know um, what they do is they you hold out your forearms so that under, you know, that soft under part of your arm and the nurse um, takes a ballpoint pen and she writes um, down your arm, number 1 through 12, and then 13, you know, through 24. And then the other arm, the same thing, two long rows of numbers until you have, I think I had 49 numbers on my arms. And then they pull out the testing kit, which made me a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but it's less like an, it, it is a needle. She told me it's more like a toothpick. And I didn't know how that was supposed to make me feel better. But these were little needles. We'll <laughs> just say that. are bigger than needles. I know. Right. Right. Um, So she pulled out the little toothpicks, and what they do is at each number corresponding with the the test, they prick your skin there and insert some bit of some something you might be allergic to. Yeah. So some I don't actually know the science, but some bit of dog or cat or dust or you know whatever the thing is, and then you sit there for fifteen minutes, and if it turns into like a little mosquito itchy mosquito bite at that spot then that's an indication of an allergy. And if it's clear, that's, you know, suggests, okay, you're, you're good with whatever that is. Um, so yeah, I, <laughs> so my arms were just four long rows of mosquito bites and I expected that. And then the doctor came back in and he joked with me and he said, Christy, um, you're just allergic to life, to everything that lives. <laughs> I mean, so I get this photograph. She texts me, and her arms look like they have red welts, like they're on fire, her forearms. And she's like, the doctor says I'm allergic to life. (laughs) And as, you know, this is in the context of the news that's just crazy blowing up around us. And I thought, is there ever a better metaphor for what seems to be happening around us? Somehow, as human beings, we've all become allergic to life, like to the basics of life, to school, to church, to sports, to gatherings, you know, to spending time with our friends, to play dates, like all the things that make up life. Somehow, as like a human group, we're allergic to it. And I saw that picture and I thought, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine a better visual for what I feel like is happening in the news today. And even more, more so for me, Lisa Joe, I just had to I had to laugh, but I think it's serious too. <laughs> Before the doctor came in and said that about life, um, the nurse was checking and she was wipe. She was sort of going down my arms and just recording um, and sort of saying, "Yep, yep, you know, allergic, allergic." And numbers one through twelve. So the first one, she sort of cleaned my arm to take a closer look. 
she wiped down numbers 1 through 12, that first long line, and she said, oh, 1 through 12, those are all the trees. And that is what broke my heart. You are allergic to the thing you love most. You're a tree hugger who cannot hug I trees. I am. That's I'm a, totally I mean, a tree that, hugger. How did I not know this about you? Yeah. So you always knew you were allergic to trees? Yeah. Well, I, I, I knew, I don't know that I would have said I'm allergic to every kind of tree, but I knew I was allergic to certainly some trees, grasses, weeds, um, again, because anytime there was any kind of pollen in the world, I I was be, I would be struggling. And I think I may have written about this a little bit in Placemaker, although I'm realizing now I didn't possibly emphasize it enough or really explore the deep no, because symbolism. because Placemaker is a love letter to trees. To trees, right. And apparently right. they do not love you back. Like, no, they do understand. not. And part of what made living in Florida difficult for me is that with those mild winters, the tree pollen season there is very intense, or it can be very uh-huh. intense. And our second winter in Florida, I was sick for most of that that whole winter. I was very sick. Um, and I knew that even then it was because of the tree pollen. So um, I think just having the testing has brought to the front of the mind something I did no sort of way back, but I didn't have maybe em- empirical evidence for it, or I didn't have, sometimes you just need someone else to tell you, Christy, you are allergic to all the trees, and Christy, you are allergic to all the living things. Actually, they suggest, so here's the funny thing the doctor said, um, you know, it's easier just to talk about what you're not allergic to. So, <laughs> the good news, me? the very good news is that I am not allergic to dogs or cockroaches. How? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I don't even know people could be allergic to cockroaches. <laughs> Lisa Joe, I actually want to be allergic to cockroaches. <laughs> I think that would be better. <laughs> dogs too. I, you know, but no, I am not allergic to dogs or cockroaches. So there's something to celebrate. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. So like, what's the treatment for all of these allergies? Like, what are you supposed to do? Just so this, I mean, it's a good question in our current context. Are you supposed to just never go outside? <laughs> interact with the world again. Right. Well, my doctor talked about, you know, at certain times of year, staying indoors, keeping the windows shut, running an air conditioner, an air purifier. And I don't even, I don't think I said this, but in my head, I was thinking, no, (laughs) I I can't. I, 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 if I have a garden to take care of, I know I'll be out in it. Of course, if things, if I had serious, you know, if I was having serious asthma, I, I would do that. And I had to do that in Florida. I, there was a whole month where I mostly stayed in my bedroom with an air purifier going. So I, I know that that might be asked of me, but at least right now I'm thinking, no, I will, I will go out. We'll manage the symptoms with various medications. And what I do, like after I garden, actually, Jonathan told me this week when I'm doing garden cleanup, I should probably wear a mask. So I might do that. And then when I come in from gardening, I always shower first thing to try to wash things off. So we'll get the symptoms hopefully under control and then um, possibly start allergy shots later once my system's not quite so overwhelmed with it all, once things have calmed down a bit. And then maybe that will help. But you know, Lisa Joe, I was realizing like your response was so interesting to me. And I realized it's because in my life and in my family, Allergies like this are, are the normal. So I don't feel like it's, I feel like, oh, don't most people live this way? To me, like seeing my arms all flared up like that, I even asked the nurse, I said, but surely most people come in here have reactions like this. And she was like, well, maybe not all these things. <laughs> but that's normal in my family. You know, it runs in my family. My mom, my sister, um, some of my nieces and nephews all have these same 
um, experiences. And so in my world, this seems totally normal. And I think it actually has been helpful this week for other people to speak into me and to say, no, Christy, this, this isn't normal and it's okay to treat it like it's not normal and you don't have to be afraid of it, but you should be responsible. Mm. You should take some action. And I, I did need someone to tell me that. And I feel like that's really relevant maybe to where we are um, as a culture, as a global community facing this, um, this new virus that there's a lot we don't know um, and we don't have to freak out. We don't have to be ruled by fear, but we can take responsibility. We can say, nope, this is not normal and our lives will change <laughs> and we can be proactive because this is not normal, but it doesn't mean we have to panic. Right. And I think that's what I like so much about listening to you talk about this, because it's a serious thing, what you're describing, that you have. <laughs> and fear does tend to be our knee-jerk reaction in those situations. Yeah. But what I've loved about you is how fear hasn't been the driving force behind your decision-making. It's been much more this idea of responsibility. And I think those are such important distinguishers, especially in this global climate now. Fear is such a loud voice. Fear often feels like that dog that just barks incessantly. And so we feel like we have to do something to make the barking stop. You know, I just, I must move, I must act, I must take action, I must read all the news, I must, you know, share all the facts. And um, part of what we wanted to talk about today really was just to invite all of you who are listening to take a deep breath, <laughs> listen to the news, the diagnosis that's coming, and then do what God always seems to, to offer us, which feels antithetical to fear, because often, time and again, Moses facing the Red Sea, or the disciples and what they're facing, or letters that are written to us as the new church, like, God's first response seems to be completely counter to what we would want. He says, be still. Be mm. still. And it's the opposite of what I want to do. I want to go out and like grocery shop and like spray down my entire house and mm -hmm. <laughs> like run around like a chicken with my head cut off. Um, <laughs> and some of that is helpful. But that posture of stillness, that mm. willingness to hear from God and not be driven by my fear, in times like this feels more important than ever to really trust that God does know what he's talking about. I mean, when Moses was standing on the edge of the Red Sea and this giant Egyptian army was chasing them and the people are yelling at him, God's response to Moses is to be still and let God intervene. And then he does. It's it's just a very interesting pattern when we look at how God tends to respond in a crisis. Mm -hmm. And God is never ruled by fear. He's always governed by love. And it's one of the things we wanted to remind one another and everybody listening is that that command to love the Lord your God first and then to love your neighbor as yourself remains the same, <laughs> no matter mm -hmm. what we're facing in the world. And how we love our neighbor might look different. Maybe in this case, the best way to love one another is to do what Christy and I did, and we're not together in person today. But it doesn't mean that I'm treating Christy like I'm afraid of her or I don't want to interact with her. It means mm -hmm. maybe that I'm reaching out more and texting her and being like, mm -hmm. how are you? Are you doing okay? How can we pray? One of the things I'm trying to get up the courage to do, Christy, because it's always awkward to interact with neighbors you don't know well, but we have some elderly neighbors on our street and I'm trying to get up the courage to call and just ask, mm -hmm. do you need me to go to the store to pick mm -hmm. something up? I can just drop it on your doorstep for you. You know, here's my number. Please feel free to call if you need something. Because when I 
see this mass panic that's happening in the world, I got to say, part of what Christy had to put up with yesterday was me like <laughs> leaving her just all these messages because this feels like not only does it have physical implications, but there feels like a spiritual weightiness, a pain that comes with words like social isolation. It feels spiritually like a direct attack on what we're called to be as the people of God who are called to press in and love one another and draw close and see ourselves in one another. You know, if you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself, you're not supposed to take care of yourself at the expense of your neighbor. And so I just want to keep encouraging everybody to keep thinking about our neighbors as ourselves. So sometimes that will look like staying away so that we don't put our neighbors in jeopardy, but it certainly doesn't affect thinking less of our neighbors than ourselves. And it's one of the things I'm trying to communicate to my own kids. You know, our kids will pick up on all the stressors that their parents are experiencing. And our kids are hearing Mm -hmm. all kinds of things at school. So my sons called me yesterday because school, they were told they are, everyone's going home. There's no school on Friday. There's no school now for the next two weeks. And kids are funny how they assume adults don't know. And so they're panic calling me from, you know, as they walk out of school, mom, mom, like there's no school tomorrow. And there's not, you know, listening all these things. I'm like, I know, I know they did communicate with the parents. Like I'm actually aware. And, um, but I could just sense the panic in their voices and telling me everyone's freaking out and people are crying and, you know, and I could sense in them this questioning about, are we going to be okay? Do we have what Mm. we need? Or do we Mm. have groceries? Are we going to have enough toilet paper and Lysol wipes? You know, the sense of self that comes to the forefront, like a monster in times like this. And so what yeah. I did when we got home is I erased our big chalkboard we have in the living room that always has the schedule for the week since there's no schedule anymore, <laughs> no sports, <laughs> no activities, no plays, nothing. I erased it all and I wrote on the board in big letters, I will love my neighbor like I love myself because mm-hmm. I want our family to remember that this is not an excuse to put ourselves at the forefront of every single decision we make now. Mm. Now is the reminder. Now is when it actually counts to love my neighbor the way I love myself. So I that doesn't mean I'm now going to try to make myself vulnerable. It means mm-hmm. I'm going to be very aware of loving my neighbor the way I love myself. So that means mm. not bringing germs into their vicinity, but it also means mm-hmm. like maybe sparing some toilet paper on the shelf for the next person who's coming along, right. like completely random, small, practical things like that. But at a bigger level, I think it really means being willing to be still in God, to listen to his voice more than I listen to the news headlines, to trust mm-hmm. that he's not surprised by this, and to know, to know for sure that if we ask him, if we ask him to lead us, he will. He will lead Mm. us the way he always has led his people through moments of crisis. Mm. I love that about being still. And I'm wondering, I don't want to frustrate people by, I don't know, we can have this too easy impulse to look for the silver lining or, you know, so I don't do that in order to at all say that this isn't a very serious and scary situation. It is, absolutely. But... Last night, Jonathan and I sat in bed for a few minutes and just together deleted a whole bunch of things from our shared Google calendar. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, we'd never done that. Yes. It was like, this was gone, this was gone. Some trips were canceled. A visit from someone we love was canceled. Um, all of my kids' school things canceled, canceled. No field trips, no curriculum nights, no, there were some Cub Scout things. I mean, just sat there and it took a while to, to delete, delete, delete. 
And then my kids started asking as well, even this morning, oh, mom, we have this day off. Can we, you know, we're not at school. Can we go out to breakfast? Can we do this? And I had to tell them, you know, part of the reason why you're not at school is that they're encouraging people to stay home more. And so I think actually we won't go out for breakfast. We'll, and we won't go out for lunch. I mean, I'm not telling our listeners you can't do that. Of course, assess your own, (laughs) you know, your own community, your own situation. But I just felt like, you know, guys, actually, I don't think, I don't think that's the rhythm we're moving into. I think deliberately we're moving into a rhythm that is much quieter, much slower, and much stay at home, which for some people in my family will be a great thing and an easy thing. And for others in my family, that's going to be very challenging. But we are invited to be still together as a family. Oh my gosh, Lisa Joe, you know it will not always look so great because... <laughs> All of us, you know, it's like a cabin fever with kids, right? I'm sure there'll be moments of absolute insanity. But the invitation within this experience is, I think, an invitation to stillness so that we can um, tune into God, love our neighbor well. So if that verse says, be still and know that I am God, I also think in there is not only this call to love, but this call, this invitation to let ourselves be loved. So I, I hope I will receive God's love in the quieter, slower pace that I'm about to head into. I hope that I will, as I sit in stillness and consider who God is, be filled again with a sense of His great love for me. I feel like that must be one of the greatest just antidotes to fear there could be is to know that, hey, oh, yeah, no matter what happens— I'm loved in that. God still sees me. God still loves me. I won't be alone. Nothing that's about to happen is unknown to Him. Um, That's very comforting to me. Mm. That's, yeah, that's hugely encouraging. Yeah. I was, um, interestingly, the last couple of weeks, I've been reading through a very obscure passage in the book of Jeremiah. These days, I got to tell you, Christy, I keep going to the Old Testament because it really reads like an adventure novel. Like, it's so crazy, the things that <laughs> these people. And I feel like anything that happens in our modern world has happened to the people of mm. Scripture. Like they have faced war and pestilence and plague and despair and refugees and immigration. I mean, it, literally everything we experience today has has happened. And there are stories to read about it. And the Old Testament is full of them. And um, even before the coronavirus, I had been reading through the book of Jeremiah, and this is in Jeremiah chapter 42. And essentially what's happened is the people of Israel, who, as we know, had been in Egypt for many years as slaves, and then you have the huge exodus and they're rescued and they settle in the promised land. But now there's been many hundreds of years have passed, a remnant um, of them had actually been chased out of where they had wanted to be in the promised land. Bad kings had come, kingdoms had risen, kingdoms had fallen, and now we're living in this time with this remnant of people, and they are trying to find their way home, essentially. And Jeremiah the prophet is there with them, and they are afraid because, once again, they're facing a king who's attacking them. They're facing famine, and they're facing plague. This is what they're afraid of. And so, the leaders come to Jeremiah, who's the prophet, who I always feel like has one of the worst (laughs) callings ever on a prophet. He's basically just always gives bad news. That's kind of his deal. (laughs) And they asked Jeremiah, please go and ask God, like, what should we do? And I have my big old Bible here in front of me. And so this is Jeremiah chapter 42. 
And they say to they say to Jeremiah, whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it may go well with us. We will certainly obey the voice of the Lord our God. They say twice this word obey. Whatever God says, we will obey. And I think that's how I am so much. Like, God, just tell me what to do. I will obey you, God. I will, no matter what it is, <laughs> if it's good or bad, I will do it. And now it says here, now at the end of 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So it took Jeremiah 10 days to hear from God. He goes to God, right? He's trying to get an answer for the people. And then when he comes back, this is what he says. He said to them, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel, whom you sent me to bring your petition before. If you will indeed stay in the land. So there it is. Be still, right? Interesting. Mm. That's God's response. Stay where you are. The place where you're afraid, stay there, is what God is Mm. telling them. So interesting that that is often the message that he gives us. If you will stay in the land, he says, if you will indeed stay in the land, then I will rebuild and not demolish you, and I will plant and not uproot you. Anytime I read planting metaphors now, Christy, I always think (laughs) about you, you know, and I think about your trees, like stay, Mm -hmm. stay at Maplehurst, stay with your Mm -hmm. trees. I will plant you. I'm not going to uproot you. Um. Because I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought on you. And then he says, don't be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. And then he says it again, don't be afraid of him. And I think it's interesting that initially when the Israelites came to Jeremiah, they say twice, we will obey. Like they say it twice, whatever he says, we'll obey. Whatever he says, we'll obey. And then God's response is, don't fear, don't fear. Like he echoes twice their question. He echoes with the response, don't fear. And he says, this is the Lord's declaration, because I am with you to save you and deliver you from him. I will grant you compassion. Isn't that beautiful? Compassion, to be loved, what you're saying, how loved Mm -hmm. we are by God. And he will have compassion on you and allow you to return to your own soil. But if you say, we will not stay in this land so as not to obey the voice of the Lord your God, and if you say, no, instead, we'll go to the land of Egypt where we will not see war or hear the sound of the ram's horn or hunger for food, and we'll live there. So, in other words, if you try to solve your own problems, right? If you Mm -hmm, say, we're mm -hmm. too afraid, we're not going to stay. God told us to stay, and we're not going to. We're going to try and solve our own problems by doing what, Christy? Going back to Egypt, like Mm -hmm. hundreds of years later, the place they left in dramatic fashion. (laughs) They're going back to you, which is how they got there the first time, right? Because of the famine. They went because there was a famine in the land. Remember the story? And Joseph had become the ruler of Egypt, and he had all this food. And so his brothers come in, and they make their home in Egypt. Then they become slaves hundreds of years later. Then there's an exodus. And now hundreds of years later, they're like, we're afraid. Let's go back to Egypt. And God's response is, if you go there because you're hungry and you're afraid, the word of the Lord says to them, if you are firmly resolved to go to Egypt and live there for a while, then the sword you fear will overtake you there in the land of Egypt, and the famine you are worried about will follow on your heels there to Egypt, and you will die there. All who resolve to go to Egypt to live there for a while will die by what? The three things they're afraid of, sword, famine, and plague. And I know Mm. that's kind of a dark reading, (laughs) (laughs) but I can't get over how God is saying to us, 
He really is saying, if we want to hear from him, then the thing he tells us to do, that's what we should do. And -hmm. in times like this, where we're tempted to rush around and by our own strength and planning and manipulation and orchestration to try to make our way safe, then often we are walking in the wrong way. Because what Mm -hmm. we're doing is we're telling the story in a way that's only about ourselves. But God is always inviting us into a bigger story that's about Him and what He's trying to do. And He's telling us, walk in the way with me, be with me. We have a God of withness, right? God who is Emmanuel. He's always with us. No matter what we're in, no matter what we're afraid of, He sees it coming. In the same way that we watch the headlines and feel like saying, God, God, oh my gosh, look what's coming. He saw it with the Israelites and He knew, He knew what they were afraid of exactly. And He said, do not be afraid. I'll be with you and I'll provide for you. And I just went back to the story this week to remind my myself that my instinct often is for self-preservation and protection and trying to manipulate things to create that. And I have a God who's telling me, I want you to be safe too. Like, I want to take care of you. Here, trust me to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think for each of us, that might look a little different, you know, but Mm -hmm. I just encourage our listeners to listen for God. What is the thing he's saying? Because if we ask him, God, tell me what to do. And then he tells you, like, let's do that thing. (laughs) Like, let's be mindful of not trying to create our own stories, our own paths, but to listen to what God says. And the clearest instructions we have throughout Scripture are to love Him and to love our neighbors well. And so, let's start there, I think, rather than rushing around and trying to make our own selves safe. Let's lean into how God has invited us to care for other selves as much as for ourselves. I think today, Lisa Jo, these welts on my arms are going to remind me and speak to me (laughs) Of this, that yes, I am surrounded by enemies, virus, trees. (laughs) I literally live surrounded by my enemies, these trees that are making me sick. And yet, of course, the trees are the enemy that is easiest for me to love because I love them, (laughs) these beautiful trees, and I'm grateful for them. And I feel like God is saying, yes, that is the conundrum. But if you can trust me in it, if you can stay where you are, if you cannot run away, I will be there. I will take care of you. And uh, we have only to watch and wait, to be still, to breathe deep, to be responsible. And I think we have a better chance of doing that if we're not panicking. Um, And instead to do, I think, what Christ is always inviting us to do, which is not try to save our lives, but to give our lives away and find that by doing that, we have received life. So I'm, it's like Braille written on my arms today, and that's, that's what I'm reading and all these little welts and, and, and stick marks. Um, thank you. Thanks for helping me to, to process that and read the story of my own life. Sometimes we need friends to, to show us, Christy, <laughs> this is what's happening. Oh, it is. So <laughs> thank you for being That's why metaphor. we tell stories. Yeah, thank yeah, you for being the metaphor of how all of us are a little bit allergic to life these days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but the reminder that in the middle of it, we have a God who came to give us life, and not just a little bit, but life to the full. And may we continue to pour that out into the lives of the people around us without being afraid. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend, click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.